Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. This is Tracy Velt, Editor-in-Chief of Content for Realtrends. Today we're speaking with Nick Ron, CEO of House Buyers of America. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yeah, so uh, let's, before we start, tell, I would like our listeners probably don't know a lot about House Buyers of America, so tell me a little bit about your business model and your geographic footprint. Sure. So House Buyers America, um, I started it back in 2001, and we basically buy, renovate, and sell houses. We're a real estate investment company, and we bought, uh, since 2001, thousands of houses all over D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And um, we've had you know, rapid success early on when we first started. We went from zero to $50 million in annual revenue um, in our, just our first three years of business. Um, I had personally didn't even own a house when I got into the business. So um, just utilizing technology and systems and processes that I learned outside of the real estate industry, we're able to grow real quick. And then went through the downturn in 2008. And then now our next uh, bump in the road, which is a coronavirus. Um, so we've had a, a good, strong track record for the last uh, just about 20 years. Okay, and how many people work um, in in with House Buyers of America? And tell me a little bit about uh, are they mostly investors, or talk to me about that aspect of it. Sure. So um, we um, we we contract a lot of work. I would buy you know through our renovation process. You know we hire hundreds of contractors. Um, and so we focus kind of with a, uh, a, you know, a small crew internally here that just manages all the processes. And, um, and so we, you know, there, there are about 20 of us now, 25 of us um, operating out of our corporate headquarters. And like I said, we have anywhere from marketing to all the renovation process and all um, and all sorts of consultants that we use to, to manage the whole process from start to finish. Okay. And how do you identify properties um, to purchase? How, how do you differ from some of the other? It's not technically an eye-buying model, but it's similar to an eye-buying model. So tell me how you yeah, identify Yeah, very similar properties. to an eye-buying model. Yeah, we, we, we're, we're more of a hybrid. So, yes, we do the eye-buying approach. We, we have all the technology. We can come up with an instant offer, um, but we're also high-touch. We work you know, from, from, from our roots. Um, we've always worked with customers. Like We actually answer the phone and we talk to the customers, not all done through a computer. We want to hear from them the condition of their house and a little history on the house so we can know exactly how to, how to get the most accurate value of the property. Um, and then we do a lot of renovations. It's another thing that the iBuyers don't do, um, but we want to add value to the property. Um, whereas most iBuyers are trying to get in and out of a property um, with minimal work. You know, the, the, the term is uh, clean and list. Just, just clean it and list it on the market. That's what most of them are trying to do. Um, we can do, you know, we've done full gut jobs and uh, teardowns and rebuilding new houses if we need to, um, all the way down to just small you know, houses that we buy that, that don't need a whole lot of work and we do more more cosmetics. So we do, we do it start to finish. Um, so we're kind of a, a hybrid from, from that approach. Okay, great. 
So obviously the country's starting to reopen um, with COVID, and some places are more open than others. So tell me a little bit about how your business was impacted and how you're doing today. Sure. So initially, you know, March, um, everyone was obviously starting to get really concerned about the virus, how it was going to impact the economy. Even before the lockdowns, people were, you know, not going out as much and, and people just that 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 um that fear and I knew just having gone through a major recession back in two thousand eight, the the Great Recession, you know, fear just locks up the market. People um get paralyzed and they don't you know, they stop doing what they normally do. They're selling their houses, buying houses, and that's the worst thing for the real estate market. So I was a little concerned that, you know, no one knew what the, how this would play out. Um, and if you said you knew how it was going to play out, you're lying because no one's been through a pandemic like this. So we, 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 uh, that was our biggest concern. Um, but as time went on, we realized homes were still selling. Um, what we did notice initially was the people who, homeowners who would, would normally have listed and sold their houses, um, they were not uh, interested in selling um, quite as much. So uh, it, it became a lot tougher you know, in our business, uh, where we're trying to buy houses, um, it, it became a lot harder to acquire property. So we had to get real creative and um, really good with reaching out to people and marketing effectively. So we had to sharpen ourselves in that area. But we noticed, you know, sales kept moving. Um, and we're get, still getting multiple offers on most of our properties. We do a, a real nice job renovating our houses. We have a nice design look. And so we usually never have a, a much of a problem selling the houses. Um, but it, it started to slow, uh, you know, and, and we, you know, each week we notice we're getting less multiple offers and some, some properties were only getting one offer on a weekend. And, and so we started to get a little bit concerned um, and wasn't sure if that was going to be a continued trend, but it bounced back in May. And here we are today. Um, we're, we're booming. Um, can't sell our houses fast enough. Like we just listed some over the weekend and get, you know, had you know, eight or nine offers on one house and like five or six on another. And it's just, multiple offers on just about everything we're listing. And so it's actually um, hotter than it was pre-coronavirus um, on the sales side. Acquisition side, it's gradually getting better, but still people are hesitant to, to, to sell their house. Um, and I'm assuming that's for coronavirus. They don't want to you know, move into another house or go through the hassle of you know, finding another house and and having to look around, and maybe people don't want don't want to risk getting the virus. So we're we're uh, we're definitely seeing some of that. A lot of people are in a wait and see. Let's let's see what happens in a few months, and when things are on steadier ground, then then we'll we'll uh, we'll sell our house. So that's what we're okay. seeing right now. All right, great. And have you had to um, put any new protocols in place as it concerns to the contractors you're working with, or? Um, or the the people who are working directly with the home sellers and buyers. Yeah. So for our staff, you know, early on we took uh, all necessary precautions. Um, you know, masks and gloves. We got, got it was tough finding it at first, but now thankfully the supply is a lot better. But yeah, we had everyone in the field. So the people who are managing the properties, the renovations, doing the you know inspections on the properties, all of them had to wear masks and gloves, like mandatory. Um, and anyone meeting customers or people outside our business, you know, wearing masks was was uh, was uh, mandatory as well. 
And um, you know, in our office, we clean it two times a day, scrub it down with disinfectant. We have hand sanitizer all over the office. So we went through all the all the normal stuff that you'd want to do to protect yourself. And um, you know, we, yeah, we've done really well. Um, so uh, initially, everyone worked from home uh, for for a while. And actually, this week is the first week. Um, you know, our headquarters in Virginia, and this is we're in phase three now. And honestly, we could have everyone could have stayed in the office had we wanted to because we're considered a, an essential business. But we have all technology for work from home, so we we let people. Um, in fact, we mandated everyone to work from home except for a few managers in our business. And now everyone's back, and we they're safely distanced in the office. We have a big enough office where everyone can kind of separate, and and so. Um, yeah, it's kind of exciting now. It feels uh, like a little bit of normalcy to get everyone back in and uh, be able to get back to business as usual. Okay, great. So obviously you've probably learned a lot of lessons through the COVID-19 um, pandemic, which continues. Um, but what? tell me some of the lessons you've learned along the way while building your company. What are the? What is your top lesson learned um, through, through sure. your building of the company? Sure. Yeah. Well, thankfully, we, we went through, thankfully and unthankfully, we went through the, the Great Recession back in 2008. And I don't think you can get any worse than that for, for real estate, at least. Um, and so going through this, we we're well prepared. And and, um, and so I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, because you know, when we went through the Great Recession, I mean, we had about a year or two. It was just absolute hell. It was it was it was devastating, and I said to myself, I never want to go through this again, um, or you know, have to, have to go through as painfully as, as it was. So, we uh, set some principles aside and make sure you know the next downturn, whenever that is, um, it, you know, we would be able to get through it with flying colors. And so, um, and I find that you know a lot a lot of us in the industry went through that, learned our lessons, but it was quickly forgotten by many. Um, as soon as things started picking up, people were going back to the same mistakes they made before the, the last recession. So um, so I think it's important that people learn those lessons and, and stick with it. One of the big things was always be conservative. Um, you know, it's Murphy's Law. So when it comes to your finances, you have to be conservative and save and have a big cash cushion because you just never know when the next downturn is coming. People didn't see it back in 2008. People certainly didn't see it with the coronavirus. And so you, you have to be ready. Um, yeah. There's no crystal ball out there. And so we were well yeah. positioned before the lockdown to weather the storm. Um, so that was, that's probably number one. Number two, always strive for excellence in your business and your operations constantly improving because you, you never know um, when you're going to, you know, when the, when the markets turn down to the point where you need to watch every nickel and need to operate efficiently and, and, and costs. And you never want to go through a major cost cutting program. You should be watching your costs every day and managing efficiently. And so when you get to a point where you have a major crisis, you're already in good shape because you've already on a day-to-day basis, you're taking, you're, you're constantly improving in those areas and watching those things. It makes, it just, it becomes a way of life of how you operate your business. You're operating with extreme efficiencies. And along with that is having healthy margins. You have to have really good margins when the economy is good, when things are going well. If you are operating on, on tight margins in a, in a really good market, you're never going to make it in a down market. 
If you look at companies like Zillow and Open Door and some of these i buyers, they were losing money, um, three to tune of three, four, five hundred million dollars a year. I think Zillow lost last year um, around four hundred million dollars, and that's in a, a good market. So how do you survive a down market? And no wonder why Open Door and Zillow both stopped buying houses when the coronavirus hit. We just kept moving forward. We kept buying houses, but they they were already losing, and I could see in, in their mindset, gosh, if I'm losing four hundred million a year and, and a good market, gosh, I'm going to lose billions in a down market. So you should never be losing money or operating on a tight margin in a good market because, um, you know, it's only going to get worse in a down market. So you always maintain healthy margins. Do whatever you need to do to, to operate that. You have to operate efficiently at all times. So that, that, that I say another one of the big lessons learned um, you know, during the coronavirus and, and prior recessions. Okay, great. So let's talk about aha moments um, as it pertains to growing your company or building your company. What was your aha moment when you realized you needed to either restructure or change course or um, do something a little bit differently? Sure, sure. Now, like I said, we, we were blessed that we went through 2008, and so we didn't really have to adapt to the coronavirus. But one of the things I learned back in 2008 when the market crashed is um, it, we just had to operate very efficiently um, in certain areas. Like our, our in our business, our construction was never that great. Um, you could get real lazy with construction when the market was good. You didn't have to have the nicest looking house when the market was smoking hot. And so that was one area we had to improve in. And then we had to improve in just, just everywhere. We just tightened up. Uh, we realized there was some extra fat um, that we, we needed to cut in different areas where things just weren't as efficient. So we, we doubled down on marketing. I mean, on our technology, on marketing. Um, we, uh, we, we became masters at construction. So in our business, when you're you're buying and renovating houses, one of the keys, if you want to operate profitably, is you have to add value to the house. And so when the market was down and and there were, um, it became a strong buyer's market. You had to have a really nice product to get people's attention. So we became very efficient with construction and design, and we wanted the nicest looking house in any neighborhood. And that's what we did um, for many years, and, and we implemented a lot of systems so we could consistently produce a really nice-looking product. And um, and that's what's helped us grow. And, and then when the economy got better, our margins grew even even more. Um, and so that, I guess that was my aha moment back uh, in the last downturn is, hey, we, we need to really improve our construction, and we just need to tighten up everywhere. Um, otherwise, we'll just never survive the downturn. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you said you're in um, kind of the D.C., Virginia area. So tell me a little bit about your growth strategy. Do you plan to move to other areas, um, and how has that evolved through the years? Sure, sure. A number of things. So we're we're um, we're growing in our area. We're 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 uh, in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. We're saturating our markets. Um, we want to. Um, before you know, we, we and we'd grown to other markets in the past, and what we've learned is you really want to get all the business you can out of your current markets before you jump in a new market. It sounds really cool and exciting to jump into another market, 
but it's 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 costly to launch a new market, um, and you have you have always new things you have to learn going to another market. So before you do that, make sure you're maximizing your current markets um, and become as profitable as you can in your current markets, and then you jump into another market. So that said, we've really invested a tremendous amount in technology, so it's really easy for us to jump into another market at this point. And so by by you know really refining our systems and technology, um, we're able to jump into uh, multiple markets. So that's our goal uh, next year. We'd like to jump into one or two new markets. Um, we're also um, um, doing different things in our local market, um, like buying and holding properties and having different strategies to to do more with the leads that we're getting. So instead of just um, just offering one. Uh, product or one service to people who want to sell their houses. We can offer uh, multiple items. And so, just, once again, just trying to, to grow more business in our existing markets, uh, not just expand to other markets. Everything we do is all organic. Um, we, you know, we don't believe in mergers and acquisitions. At this point, usually companies do that when they don't know how to do it themselves. So, we're, we're really good at what we do, and we believe organically is the best way to grow long-term. So that's our that's our growth strategy right now, um, and I think a big thing is um, it's just really getting better with um, marketing and technology, continuing to improve in those two areas. I believe that's that's going to drive the market going forward, um, and everything we're doing is is a lot of technology and and, and uh, just diving deep in the data, uh, being a data driven company. So every Everything we do in marketing, we're always trying new things. We want to measure everything using a lot of technology in the back end to make sure every phone call we get, every 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 email, um, every lead we generate off our website, find out where did it come from, and how do we do, and how are we converting with all of our different campaigns. Some marketing, we realize we're getting a lot of leads, but they're not very good leads. So, on the surface, if you're really not looking closely at the data, you can realize it, yeah, um, these leads aren't that good. This marketing uh, avenue, um, this marketing medium is not working out very well because I'm not converting a lot of those leads. So you have to look at how many leads you're getting and how am I, how well am I converting. So looking at the data is very, very key. So we, we do a lot with that now, and that's helped us to grow by being able to invest in the right marketing channels and discontinuing marketing that's not working well for us. Okay. And let's talk about um, your relationship with real estate agents. Do you um, do you use companies to or agents to list your properties, or do you do um, you know? Tell me about your relationship with agents in the market, real estate agents in the market. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, my wife is a broker, so we love agents. Um, love working with brokers. Um, so while we do compete in some areas, we we also work a lot with them, and we see the value in them. And um, lots of agents, you know, do real estate investing on the side, so they they understand our business, and, and we, we have good good relationships. And typically, especially on the uh, when we're selling a house, that's where we work mostly with agents. Um, we uh, you know we list the market properties, and most of them get sold through a, a realtor, and and that's not uncommon even for other high buyers. Um, so yeah, we work, work well with them, and and one of the things that agents love about us is when we have a when when a buyer comes to us and they want to buy our property, we kind of 
we take the, the whole process, soup, uh, start to finish. We have a great system, so we're able to get it to close on time just about every time. And we work well with the lenders and the title companies, and we have a whole system and technology where we follow up with everything, and we're on every detail so the agents can kind of you know, sit back and relax and, and know that. That, you know that, that's being handled. Um, so that's what we hear frequently from from other agents. And when we acquire properties, we do have agents um, bringing uh, us you know opportunities, especially if it's a property, let's say a, a homeowner who has a property that's not in great shape um, or it's dated and they've lived in it for thirty years and they're looking at downsize and and you know. The, they know it's not going to show very well. The agent knows it's going to have to be sold as is. Um, so agents will come to us and say, hey, you know, here's an opportunity, and we make an offer, and they know we can close quickly and do all cash and no finance contingencies. And so they love working with us when they have those kind of opportunities. Okay. And do you have preferred agents that you work with, or do they can they become a preferred agent, or do you just look for someone who's active in the market that you're in? You know, we we talk to a lot of different agents, and um, just and we get repeat um, agents that we work with have sold our houses for us on a repeat basis, or give us multiple customers to, to sell houses uh, for for the acquisition side. And um, so we don't have like a necessarily a preferred customer, but we know who we're working with more frequently, and and we're closely with them and try to give them first opportunities in some of our properties. So so we can take care of our good agents that we work with over and over. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So my final question is just an overall question about opportunity in the real estate industry. Where are you seeing the most opportunity right now? Well, um, I'd say the, the biggest, the three top things is technology, technology, and technology. Those are you know, in that order. Tech, tech, and tech. I mean, the real estate is so behind technology. If you're good with technology, it's going to really give you a leg up. And and that's my background. Thankfully, before I got in this business, I was not. Before I owned this business, I was not in real estate. knew nothing about real estate, um, but I knew a lot about tech and marketing. And so I sold marketing systems. And and so from day one. Um, Always looking for ways to use technology to speed things up, to make our uh, you know increased productivity for all of our team members, um, and to uh, to get creative and work well with customers and stay on top of everything. Make sure nothing slips through the cracks. Um, I, I you know I, I can't believe it to this day. Um, that you know, some companies get leads and they don't follow up on them right away. Some of them slip through the cracks. I get calls from customers all the time. Hey, I call one of your competitors, and I didn't get a phone call back. And I contacted you guys. You picked up right away, or you turned my call right away. And you know, and then here we here we go. We we did business with you. And so, um, with technology, you should not ever lose a lead. You should be tracking every lead. Um, you work so hard. You spend so much money and time getting leads. And um, you want to make sure that you you uh, nothing slips through the tracks. Um, and so I think with technology, um, I mean, it, it, it's just so vital. And, and I see people who are doing it, whether it's agents or investors or whoever you are in this industry, even contractors, home remodeling companies, the ones who are leveraging technology and are good at it are really um, taking a lot of market share. So that's that's what we've spent a lot of time focusing on. 
Okay. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining the Real Trends podcast today. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Tracy.